Welcome to More with Less, the podcast that looks at how businesses balance financial growth with sustainability. I am Venkata Gandikota and I'm Jaydeep Prabhu. Our guest on this episode is Gianluca Pandolfo, Sales Director EMA Region of Patagonia. the american clothing company that markets and sells outdoor clothing janluca abi thank you for taking the time to talk to us perhaps we could start with your personal journey and your career when and why did you choose to work for patagonia and how did you get into sustainability first of all thank you very much for having me here and giving me the opportunity to have a, a chat with both of you i'm italian as you might understand from my accent i have a, a wonderful uh, a wife and an amazing daughter 7 years old and i'm an older person i spent 10 years in the north face before joining patagonia 7 years ago in amsterdam to the european exporter at that time patagonia was not in europe as big as it is right now and our understanding of patagonia at the time was m- mainly recognized through sport less through environment so my contact with patagonia was through sport i'm an outdoor a passionate person working for the north face i had the chance to join patagonia and at that time there was always that question is it really real what patagonia does or is just marketing and that question you will never be able to answer until you don't join the company so i was also curious and then i got into the company 7 years ago and in these 7 years patagonia is a really a transformative company because because you are exposed to so a lot of information so a lot of people that really care about sustainability and the environment that you start deep diving into matters you start to educate yourself so you are exposed to so many informations that you want to be part of the change and then i can say that this journey has transformed me i'm completely not completely a different person but i'm definitely a more a conscious person a conscious and responsible consumer than what i was 7 years ago and that is also from a sales point of view as a sales guy is quite unique usually sales people are just selling in this case as i may have the opportunity to tell you later i feel like by selling i can contribute to our mission statement that's great so you talk very briefly on your journey from north face to patagonia so can you tell us a bit more about patagonia the company itself what has been the company's journey in terms of sustainability what you have heard before you joined and maybe what after you joined Yeah as you stated briefly before Patagonia is an outdoor clothing company we make clothes for outdoor sports such as climbing surf and fishing and we have a clear and straightforward mission statement we are in business to save our home planet the company was founded in 1973 by Yvonne Chonard his wife and a group of dirtbag climbers so it's almost the 50 years anniversary in next year so it's a big celebration and when we talk about sustainability let me tell you that patagonia was not then and is not now a sustainable company what we call ourselves we call we are a responsible company and we say we are a responsible company because being responsible means say undertaking the art process of self inspection and course correction and we do it step by step over time so As I said the company was founded in 1973 we had the first grant to an NGO in 1985 our first mission statement was 1991 we started using recycled polyester in 1993 
organic cotton in '96. We became 1% for the planet in 2002, a B Corp in 2011. And then in 2011, also we did a famous Don't Buy This Jacket ad that became quite big in US. Put simply, it has been a process of Patagonia cleaning its own act based on the undeniable truth that making stuff product in this case has an impact on the planet. Really interesting. So Janduka, you mentioned something about becoming a B Corp and I believe that Patagonia is both a certified B Corp and a registered benefit corporation for some years now. What does it mean to be a B Corp versus a benefit corporation and why did Patagonia go down that route? Yeah, that's a, a very good question because there are sometimes some confusion between benefit corporation and the B Corp. So a benefit corporation is a legal structure that embeds stakeholders' governance into the business DNA. Basically, it creates the legal framework that enables mission-driven companies like Patagonia to stay mission-driven through session, for example, or capital raises, or even changes of, in ownership. So the benefit corporation structure is not a certification, and benefit corporations are not required to meet B-Lab standards. Instead, to be a B Corp certified company, a company needs to go through the process and meet the B-Lab standards that are very different. So to qualify as a B Corp, a company must have an explicit social environmental mission and a legally binding responsibility to take into account the interests of workers, the community, the environment, and its shareholders. This is the difference between, between the two. And Patagonia was the first California company to be a B Corp was in 2011, and Patagonia joined over 500 certified B Corporation coming from 60 different industries. Now there are more than 4,000 companies that represent a new kind of business that balance purpose and profit. But let me add this is become a certified B Corp is really important. But what is even more important is to start the process. Because when a CEO or the owner of a company decided to take this path, is also opening up the company to a third part that is getting to your company, is looking into your business and is going to tell you what is going well, what doesn't go well and what has to be improved. And that is an important open and the owner of the company need to open up and be, I would say, flexible to accept those feedback. And the fact that every two years then you're going to be reevaluated is going also to put some tension and pressure to make sure that you improve after a year. So there's not a finish line. That's quite interesting. I actually had a bit of an experience. I attended a B Corp workshop in Helsinki a few years ago, and then it was quite interesting, all the questionnaire one has to fill. So I truly appreciate Patagonia actually going through the process and actually being certified as one. One of the things that I have seen is Patagonia as a company, you have embraced and you're experimenting with circular business models. So can you tell us a bit about initiatives like Warm Where? and recrafted and maybe how they are going, like what's the current status? Yeah, since 73, Patagonia is focusing on producing quality products. And it was one of the first company to apply industrial design into clothing design. And this was to make our product durable and multifunctional. So Warware as a guide principle exists since then, has always been part of our DNA. 
The way we are now looking at the Warware is a partnership between Patagonia and our customers that is designed to redefine how we think about production, consumption and ownership of apparel and to make sure that we as a consumer, we take responsibility for our products throughout their whole life cycle. So these days in Patagonia, we are working to embed Warware at the center of our business. So I give you some concrete facts here. We are really working to make sure our customers, our community can buy new product, but also second-hand product. And then we are also working to make sure we have a program of buyback. So customers can sell us back the product they have used. We are also working to make sure our customer can repair and care for their product and either themselves or with our support. And we want to ensure that the repair services we offer are close to the point of need because in this way we can reduce our operational impact supporting local communities and also create new jobs on a local level. And on top of all of this, Warware for us is also a platform where we can communicate with our community about circularity models, about the responsible consumption and footprint. So that's another important piece of how we would like to educate our customers and our consumers about sustainability. You mentioned the consumers there and their role. What exactly is their role? So how do you take the consumers along, especially when there may be a trade-off for them between cost and convenience on the one hand and sustainability on the other? Well, first of all, consumers play a huge role in the process of being responsible. And I also do believe that they have an enormous responsibility. They play an important role for the simple fact that the consumers make a choice every time they buy something. Exactly in the same way when there is an election and we go and we vote for a certain party. What I do, for example, every time I need to buy something, I always check if there is a B Corp company that is selling that product. And if there is, there is no second choice. I will buy the product from that company. In that way, I can support the B Corp community. On the other side, the consumer have the responsibility to educate themselves in order to make a responsible choice. And in Patagonia, we feel we have the obligation to help our community to get as much information as possible in a form that is digestible in order to help them to make responsible choices that have a positive impact. And be honest and transparent with our community is key. It's probably the only way to build the trust over the years. I want to go back to the last question about repairability. The cost for repairability, of course, needs to be within a certain range. Otherwise, the reason why people keep buying new things are because the cost of repairability, especially in developed countries, is so high that there was thing like, I would rather buy something rather than repair it. Have you thought about that kind of a thing? Yes, when I was referring before about applying industrial design into clothing design, is when you want to make a product that is sustainable or is repairable, you need to start from the design of the product. You need to make the product repairable at very low cost to start through all the process. And that is definitely key. For example, we are also working on a way to construct our jackets in order to make sure that the zip of the jacket are easy to be repaired. It was in a fast way because the cost of repairs is not applied only to the product, but also the time that is needed to repair the product. Patagonia for now is repairing for free. There is an ironclad guarantee and we really repair our product free of charge. We take charge of all the cost from the shipment to the repair and we also ship back. We also have a Warware tour. So we have two trucks that are going across Europe and they're repairing product of any brand free of charge. 
So whatever you want to repair, a shirt, a jacket, a competitor jacket, doesn't matter. We are there to repair them and to make you happy because everyone is a product and we need to understand product as memories. So we need to keep that product alive as long as possible. And we are responsible of that product, not only when we buy and we use it, but also when we are going to dismiss it. So is recycle it or resell it. I wonder if I could follow up with two questions about consumers, just sticking on that point. So one is you mentioned that you do a lot of this like repair work for free. So does that mean that the initial cost or price of the piece of the clothing includes that potential service charge down the road? That's one question about price and how you cover the cost. And the other is, are you very niche in that you only get consumers who are already into sustainability? Or are you somehow now also making inroads into a kind of more mass market? Yeah, to the first question, we don't. We don't upcharge our product taking in consideration this. We don't. We just absorb that cost in our PL. And in every company, there are a lot of inefficiency in every corner of the company. And what is important, sometimes what probably we don't stress out enough is that we are really disciplined with our PL. Because we are really convinced that if you want to be an outdoor activist company, you need to have your house in order. So to donate 1% of our turnover to a no-profit organization, we need also to make sure that we pay our employees, we pay our suppliers. So we are pretty disciplined on that. Back to your question, no, we don't upcharge our cost, we just absorb and we don't do other stuff because this is more important than other things. So we prioritize this instead of other things. In terms of distribution about mass market, there are two things here. One, from a business point of view, I would not call that we will go into the mass market. What we want to do is work with partners that are like-minded. So we want to work with partners out there in the market that they are key not only to sell our product, but also to help us to spread our mission statement that is save our own planet. Then from a brand perspective, what we want to do is achieve as many people as possible because we want to have more people fighting for the same goal, that is to make this planet a better place where everyone can live, our generation and the further the generation. So the two things are a little bit separate, but definitely we want to be known as much as possible because we want to mobilize as much people as possible when it's needed through protests and through strikes. For example, in your answer, uh, you pointed out a very good thing about you being very good uh, about your P&L and then your company takes care of your employees. And I think that is it shows that Patagonia seems to be a very employee focused sort of company as well. So can you tell us a bit about your workforce and how you engage them in your activism? Yeah, I'm an employee of Patagonia as well to feel empowered to join us in driving forward our mission to save our home planet. So Patagonia is a company, our company purpose runs through everything we do and we empower and support our employees to tell our story in their own way, with their own role and in any way they can. And I also stress in um, their own role because it's really important for us, it's really deep understood that each of us through our main job in the company we can serve the mission statement. For example, as a sales guys, we know that by selling product in a responsible way, more turnover we generate, 1% of that turnover is going to go to non-profit organization. My colleagues that are working in the credit department, they know when they collect money from the dealers, those money are needed to pay the suppliers and the business. If you work in the logistics department, you want to make sure the product goes from the warehouse to the dealers. 
and to our customers. So we have this role, each of us play an active role every day when we go to work. Then of course, there are other ways that can be used to empower my colleague, our employees to be an activist. I'll give a couple of examples that I think they are pretty nice. So for example, my colleagues from different departments across all Europe, they can take part to the 1% for the Planet Grants Council. And in this way, they participate in the process to donate money to the NGOs we are connected with. And we do it twice per year. Another example that I'm really proud of, you will understand why. Last May, Patagonia released a statement to show support to the Italian Zambia. It's a bill against hate crime intended to prevent violence and discrimination for reasons based on gender, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity and disability. And this action was initiated by three Italian colleagues of mine. I was one and other two. And when we saw the opportunity, we spoke internally in Patagonia Europe. We went to the US and we explained why we wanted to support the Zambil. And the US told us, if you believe in it, if it's part of our mission statement, and if this is a moment where you can influence you should speak up. And what we did, we took over the Instagram page of our stores in Italy and we made a public statement in support of the Zambil. And this is really showing how the company is empowering us to stand up and use also Patagonia to fight for things that we really care of. Another example to empower all of us in Patagonia is what we call the Hurt University. The Hurt University is a non-conventional training that is focused on developing soft skills that would help Patagonia's employees to become better citizens, responsible individuals and empathic leaders. And it's also a fun training. I do remember myself uh, dancing in the wood and hugging trees during that training. Because you know what? We also have fun in this company. It's like we have a serious mission statement. We want to save our home planet, but you can achieve it also by having fun with your colleagues. The Earth University is helping you to look inside yourself, but it's also giving you an opportunity to have fun with your colleagues and connect with your colleagues in a different way. And then I keep the best for last because among the other things, we also offer activist training to all our employees to attend strike and protest. But also we have a global bail policy, which means that if we go to a protest and we are caught by the police, we go in jail, Patagonia is paying to take us out from the jail. And that's, I would say, that is quite unique. I've never seen it in any other company before. That's really quite remarkable. And I also love the idea of actually hugging a tree. I'm trying to remember, I think I've done it once or twice. What was the experience like for you? Because it could be quite a moving experience too, an interesting experience. Absolutely. I was smiling when I was saying, but it's all about connecting with nature and hugging a tree deep down into the forest with your colleagues is really going to bring in different vibes, a different pace. And then your intimacy with your colleagues and with the nature is becoming bigger. And then all in a sudden you understand that, yeah, it's, there's much more than a job. There's much more than you. And then that you take things for granted. And then again, you should try to hug a tree. All the energy is coming back. is quite something that you would not expect. I can imagine. I want to ask you now about other stakeholders outside the company that Patagonia engages with. Can you tell us a bit about partners, other stakeholders that you engage in trying to meet your environmental and social objectives? Yeah, 
we strongly believe that no one can save our own planet and we have any meaningful impact on circularity or any other project acting alone or in isolation. That, that definitely is not possible. Right now we are connected with more than a thousand NGOs globally and we are also engaged with several universities in the US and also in Europe. We also see that more and more people are engaged with our environmental and social campaigns than before. And we also make our films, for example, accessible free of charge to YouTube, for example. And usually have each film that we are releasing, we also call to action related to that. So it's not just you watch a nice movie, but usually you can have an impact by signing for one of our petition. And that requires a lot of work for the company. That's the reason why in 2018 we launched a digital platform that is called Patagonia ActionWorks. And this is a platform that Yvonne Chonard, the founder, like to describe as a dating platform. Because what we are doing is we are making sure that individuals, our community, can easily get in contact with NGOs. And those NGOs sometimes need money, but also sometimes they just need skills and know-how. For example, if you are a graphic designer and you want to donate your time, you go to our platform. You digit the city where you're living or you're close by. And if there is an NGO that is looking for a graphic design, you can easily donate your time and help them to design a flyers, a logo or whatever. So since 2018, ActionWorks has matched more than 2,600 volunteers with environmental nonprofit, resulting in 55,000 hours donated to those NGOs. That is translated in money is a saving for the NGOs of more than $10 million. And that's the way we like to engage with the stakeholders. That's amazing. I really like that aspect of external collaboration. Just based on the social and environmental justice related topic. So I read in an interview of you on Lampoon magazine that you said for Patagonia, social justice is inextricably linked with environmental justice. So can you elaborate on that? So that's one question. And then the second part would be, would you say that being environmentally and social active helps Patagonia do better financially? So how do you balance financial performance with these kind of issues? Oh, this is a nice question. So let me start by saying that climate change impacts people inequally, with those often least responsible bearing the highest burden. These communities, often we call them frontline communities, are communities of color and low income, that they live in neighborhoods where there is a lack of structure that can support them. These frontline communities are more and more centered and empowered in the climate justice movement. And now they're also prioritizing Patagonia's approach to climate solutions. As an activist company, we have a long look at environmental protection as our top priority. But now we have recognized that to succeed in saving our home planet, it requires a deeper commitment on what we call this intersection between environmental and social justice work. The challenge that we are facing, we need to find the right way to do it. We need to find also the right tone to do that. And at the same time, we need to acknowledge that we still have a lot to learn and we are in this path. So it's a journey and we are committed, we are really committed to do better. If you allow me, I can give you a recent example of this because I feel like it's really nice. I will also invite you to, to watch the film. We have just released and we are screening across Europe a film that is called Run to the Source is about a trail runner, his name is Martin, that is attempting to set a new fast and known time on the 184 miles 
running from the Thames barrier in London to the source of the river in, in the Cotsworth. We chose to make this film to start a conversation broadly about inclusion and acceptance in the outdoor space through Martin's personal story and the wider experience of black people, black British people in the past generations. And we did a screening a few days ago in the UK. And what was interesting, so I linked to the second question, I got a phone call from a colleague of mine that was there that the majority of the people in that room didn't know anything about Patagonia. Few of them, they were Googling Patagonia just to understand what it was all about. And then I had this conversation. We said, oh, finally, we are able to reach a new audience that we can start talking with people that can bring different perspective about diversity and inclusion. And that is one piece. On the other piece, going to your second question, potentially all those people could be also our new customers for Patagonia. So that is very tricky because we are not promoting our brand during these events. We just talk about the social issue here and the opportunity to engage with a broader audience. So there is no, we don't combine commercial versus social things. But we cannot deny that when they are exposed to our brand, the chance that they will start deep down into our brand, they will understand who we are and why we are in business. There's also the chance they will start at a certain point, they will choose Patagonia versus another brand. So we cannot deny that. That's not, definitely is not our main reason why we have this film now screening across Europe. I want to be clear with that because it's important. I can imagine when you set such high standards for yourself that you also become potentially vulnerable to critical press. For instance, if the press accuses you of using forced labor in Xinjiang or using materials like down or wool that might involve animal mistreatment. So how do you deal with that? And do you think because you're an activist company, you also face higher risk of those kinds of exposés? Yeah, first of all, Patagon is committed to transparency, accountability and fixing problems with honesty whenever they come to light. So that is the starting point. And, and we do mistake. But this is, there is also the positive side of doing mistake because it's showing to everyone that no one can do everything right. And then if you want to be a pioneer in anything or if you want to do something, it's inevitable that you will do mistake. What is important is to admit those mistakes and take action. So the mistake is a problem itself, but how you deal with the problem is what is making the difference. And in all our cases, again, we deep dive into the matter and then we are transparent with our community, with our customers. If we did a mistake as we did in the past, we apologize and we take action and we communicate those actions to our customers and our communities. And you know what? Yes, they are pretty tough with Patagonia every time we do a mistake because the expectation is high. But through conversation to communication, we always been able to explain why something happened and how we are trying to fix it. And somehow we always try to find a common ground. And we are really grateful for those activists that are checking what we do and they deep dive on the way we operate. Because sometimes we can't be everywhere and we can't check everything. That's the reality. So if someone does it for us and then is pointing the finger on us, telling us, well, you need to do better, we feel really blessed. And we really give a lot of values to those NGOs and activists that are doing that. You have had, obviously, a great track record as a company. And we have this COP26 in Glasgow last year. And then companies are newly embracing maybe what Patagonia had been doing for some time now. But 
what do you see? What does the future hold for Patagonia as a company moving forward? We have a lot because it's a hell of a job to save our home planet. We have few goals for the future in terms of climate goal. We are going to become carbon neutral by 2025. We want also moving away from virgin petroleum fibers by 2025. By 2025, we also want to use a preferred materials that is organic or regenerative cotton, hemp, recycled polyester or nylon, among others. We are at 87% right now and counting. And this effort will help us to reduce emission by 15%. We also signed for the science-based target by reducing our greenhouses gases emission by 55% by 2030. On the environmental campaign, we are keep uh, pushing and continuing to push our With the Power campaign to encourage more cities across Europe to switch to community energy model. And we are also working on our campaign to support the first ever river national park around the Viosa River in the Balkan Peninsula. The Viosa River is the last free flow river that we have in Europe. And we are working with the local uh, NGOs, also with the prime minister over there to see if we can help to create the first national park over there. And we also is the last part that is brand new and it will come to life in this autumn. We are working on natural-based solution campaign starting this fall. Amazing. I want to ask a question. So this question is based on, I read this New York Times article about cotton from India. I don't know if you have come across it as well. It's... No, I haven't seen So the whole piece was about how European and American organizations, because they can't verify the organic cotton coming from India anymore. So companies like Patagonia or H&M's of this world. So there seems to be a corruption within the certification process because you rely on somebody else mm -hmm. and then they rely on somebody else and then so on and so forth. So I don't know, what is your take on those kind of things? This is a bummer. It's like these things are happening now is India next time will be this is very difficult to unlock because as you said you rely on a certification that is relying to third parties yeah I think the notion of having a company that is able to control the whole supply chain from the fabric the virgin material to the product is very difficult it's very difficult and I'm not even sure if there is any company that does that I think it's trying to do our best. You need to put some trust there. And then, as I said before, when you realize that something is wrong, not waste time to try to find excuse and try to justify why you are there and try to justify something or try to justify the fact that you have been caught there. I think that it just is a waste of time. You just to act fast, deep dive into the matter. And again, apologize if you did a mistake and correct and move on and try to find a more sustainable way to use organic cotton. Yeah, but this is my personal view on that because I also think that is, is a very tricky one. I'm not so sure if there is, a, there is an answer there. But the reality is that out there, when you start deep diving into the things, supply chain mainly is a very complex and you just need to commit to deep dive more and self-correct yourself when things are not going the right way. Gianluca, once again, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks to you for giving me the chance. It's a pleasure, pleasure to meet yeah. you. It was a pleasure to have a conversation with both yeah. of you. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to our More Glass podcast. You can follow us also on social media. Our Twitter handle is More With Less Pod, and our handles on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube are More With Less Podcast. Thank you.